So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. As always you can find us on social media and whip and holler and cheer because we're so wonderful. Winning left, right and centre at home in front of all the fans. Yeah, uh, just make sure you put all your comments are nice and positive, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, as usual, on Facebook, it's at Falcon Falcons. You'll see our picture and Twitter again. Same, of course, of at Falcon Falcons. And if you'd like to send us a direct email, it's folkonfalcons at mail.com. So after hot-footing it back from the match this evening, and I don't think we've quite calmed down yet. It was a brilliant second-half performance. And... Um, Certainly a good way to get the fans back in the stadium. Yeah, uh, I mean, you don't often see, I, I can't remember actually, and certainly in the top flight where we've dominated a, a team so comprehensively for so long. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I thought the first time was a bit disappointing. Obviously, we had so many chances, we didn't put them away. It used the word frustrating, and it, it was um, to be sort of only level at that stage. But yeah, second half, they remembered how to score tries, and, and they were, they were good value for the win they're, you know they're really good um, against who, who were a Northampton side which really had everything to play for and a, a defeat for them is really sort of potentially scuppers their top four chances so I mean you know hats off it was a fantastic night all round yeah like you say we absolutely dominated but um it's a funny old first half where both defenses were very good in the last 10 yards of the pitch but up until that point we looked incredibly incisive um just couldn't quite go over the whitewash and obviously we went behind just before half-time, but fortunately pulled it back level again. Yeah, um, I mean, my impression was that even though obviously we did get there trying to a lot, we just didn't look particularly threatening in there. I never really had the impression that, you know, like obviously you do see us sometimes, perhaps in recent weeks where, for example, where we've had the driving mall or whatever, or even the tap and goes work really well for us. It just... I don't know, I just kind of got the feeling that it just didn't look like it was going anywhere. And then, of course, you know, we always sort of knocked it on or it was turned over or whatever. And you thought, you know, this is going to be one of those days almost. Um, but, um, yeah, and I, I also thought that even though Northampton on the back foot for nearly the whole of the first half, you kind of also thought, well, if you don't take our chances, they'll come away with something. And, you know, frankly, they only sort of mustered the, the, the penalty. But... Yeah, it was, as I say, sort of disappointing to only be level, really. I thought we could have always put the game to bed in the first half, and there was a lot of tries we left out there. Yeah, um, they certainly had our plan A and plan B well matched. I'm not sure whether we had a plan C, so we just kept doing plan A and plan B, and we got matched by it. We couldn't smash it over in the middle, and we couldn't smash it over close by. We had the opportunity to get some points on the board when they got sin-binned, but then we promptly got one ourselves, so it was 14 on 14 for a good eight eight minutes of the two sin bins i thought it was the sin bins were both those ones where they were a little bit harsh um it seems to be the fashion as we discussed early in the season that you give a yellow card for a deliberate knock on these days um neither of them really were stopping try scoring opportunities or anything i think that he only really gave chick a yellow because he'd given them a yellow a few minutes earlier for the same offense but um there were a hell of a lot of penalties committed by them in the first half and i was surprised that there's only those two yellow cards if i'm perfectly honest yeah it's funny how sometimes uh, some of these games work where there's a whole string of offences, some probably worse than others, but it's the, sometimes it's the minor innocuous ones that actually get get punished. Um, yeah, I thought Chicks was a, a bit harsh. I mean, I think he was in, you know, it's one of these ones, I suppose, by the letter of the law, because he has gone for it and, and failed in trying to go for it. Then he has, I suppose he has to go to the bin, but you can't really sort of blame him for trying to have a go in that sort of situation. But I mean, I guess, thankfully, in the, the, the short time, maybe about two or three minutes, actually, where, they had the man advantage. They didn't really sort of look like to do anything. We still managed to kind of try and turn the screw, I guess, unsuccessfully. Yeah, um, it was a funny period that, and I've, it was a couple, as you say, a couple of harsh yellows. But by the letter of the law, 
I guess they're probably right. Um, what, what do you think of the tactics? We've probably obviously decided we're going to go for the corner. We're not going to kick for the posts. I think that's obviously good for the fans in the stadium. Not um, quite so sure on um, whether it's good for the scoreboard or the um, the tension at home. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's one of these things to be wise. I guess wise after the event. Um, I mean, obviously, if we'd scored one of those rapid early chances, you would have thought, oh yeah, good thing we we didn't go for the post. Uh, I think with the penalties as well, the one to have gone for the post is actually was the first one because that was pretty much slap bang in the middle the other penalties are more further out would have been more difficult kicks so just taken kind of by themselves you would have thought the probably a better option to go for touch which is of course what they did all the time um so maybe in hindsight they should just slot into the first one just to kind of get in the lead at least and then get the ball back and try and work again because you know they were giving away penalties left right and centre so no doubt we would have generated a few more but yeah I mean as I say it's very difficult it's wise to be after the event with sort of penalties decisions like that but yeah um, perhaps they should have slotted the first one over at least just to kind of get the scoreboard ticking over and then once the pressure was on to kind of turn the screw a bit more. And then I guess um, you were there I unfortunately wasn't. Do you feel that Having the fans in the stadium made a, we could almost feel the tension and the frustration within it um, when we failed to get the points for the first, first 35 minutes. I, I wouldn't say there was a sort of overarching atmosphere of tension or frustration. You was, you know, there was very much sort of audible groans and moans when chance number 56 went begging or whatever. But I wouldn't even say there was necessarily, funny enough, a sort of an obvious response from the players to anything positive. What, what you did notice more was actually in terms of refereeing decisions. And I think obviously referees have had a, maybe an easier time recently because obviously you don't have crowds shouting at decisions. Um, and obviously you had a couple of decisions went to TMO and you got obviously the, the home fans particularly obviously screaming, saying, you know, it's this or that or whatever. Um, I think that's the sort of the main difference because obviously referees haven't had to sort of deal with that. You know, it was always nice to see when we were sort of close to line, you know, obviously people, I got people excited, you know, people were urging them over. Most of the time, obviously they're still knocked it on or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think it must help. I'm sure even, and it wasn't obvious a lot of the time. I'm sure the players so obviously respond to you know physically and mentally positively to, to having a, a home crowd again. But yeah, it was just kind of nice to see. And I, even though it was just under 1,750, whatever it was, I actually, both in terms of visually and the sound, I actually felt like there were more there. And maybe that is a credit to kind of like how they got the atmosphere going and to everyone there in generating a, a good atmosphere. Talking of the atmosphere, I assume you were but boogieing to the five-metre line-outs every single time they blasted the beats. No, I, I wasn't. Um, I think you saw a few sort of sighs and groans and sort of scratching of heads when you had a, some banging tunes come out for a knock-on or a, a scrum to or a line-out to Northampton out of half or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was probably the worst part of the evening, to be quite honest. even worse than their try. Because at least, I think apart from the odd sort of child boogieing in the aisle, I don't think many of the sort of people appreciated it. Yeah, l- looking at the uh, coverage on TV, there was certainly a significant proportion of the West Stand with silver hair who didn't look too impressed with the tunes. So moving into the second half, obviously, it all kind of came from nowhere, really. It was a, one of our few kicks of the night that was a bit aimless and didn't have the best chase. Then before we knew it, they're right down the other end of the pitch and really pushed to the sword when they, when they had one of the few opportunities of the evening. Yeah, I thought, I mean, it did come from a kick, which was kind of, I thought the time something have it here or there. It wasn't obviously going into touch. And if you, the length was kind of good for them. It was too long for us to kind of bring up anyone in defence. And it was just right for them to you know, safely catch it and kind of get men in support. Um, so it all came from what was a pretty naff kick, really. Um, then they, they just sort of generated it. They, they did have some pretty strong hard runners actually and they did make some good yards and 
you know, eventually they just kind of sucked us in, didn't they? I think there was a, the odd missed tackle or two which, which let them in. And um, and I think that was pretty demoralising at that point because, you know, obviously we had been on top for the vast majority of the game. Though at that point, I think it had been mainly Northampton on top of the second half. But, you know, we kind of thought, well, you know, we didn't take our chances. They kind of, they've had their, this is their real, almost their only chance. Um, and they've taken it, you know, are we able to, to respond? And, you know, credit where it's due, you know, where we did. Yeah, um, on our response, um, what I think was incredibly encouraging this week is when the team sheet was released, you looked at it and thought, oh, it's pretty much the same team as last week, brilliant. Then you actually look at it a bit closer and you think, oh, Stevenson's not playing, um, but we're cocky, cocky. He was faultless when he was on. He's playing a really good game, I felt. And then also in the front row when we are missing Davison and Murapola, the position where we perhaps have had a few issues this year in terms of depth. And you think, uh-oh, look at the front row we're up against with Northampton, one of the better packs in the league. And then the first maybe three or four scrums, there was a bit of disruption. We gave away a free kick or two and a penalty or two. And I thought, oh dear, this could be a long night. But I was really impressed with the way that we knuckled down and turned it around. And then when we had that scrum on the five-meter line where Chick almost burrowed over from a pickup, just before Adamant's try, that's, that created the base, that strong scrum. And very smart thinking um, to do the... It was just yeah, old-school pick-and-go on the uh, blind side and then quick ball to the winger. And there's quite often that little bit of extra room there once the number eight's gone that side. And Radwan, we know what you can do, jumping over finishing. So that was quite nice. And then beautiful kick from Conan right on the touchline, straight through the middle. Can't, can't get much better than that. And then I think one of my favourite tries of the season, if not... Um, over the years I think um, when was the last time you saw a scrum run against the head like that and then Falcon scamper over in the corner without a finger touching him yeah uh, I mean in terms of, of what he said there I thought Wakoko Koke was probably the best player before we unfortunately had to go off injured um, the substitutions throughout the match actually worked really well two in particular as the incident you mentioned there were probably the best I've seen in my whole life uh, especially as a front row forward saying that um, I'm not so bothered about what happened after the scrum but I was sort of celebrating the scrum before the try was scored but uh, yeah I, I mean for example, I think Ferns and RU, in many ways, kind of from that point, changed the game. You, you also touched about how good their pack is, and you could see that because our strength had been the driving mall or, or tap and go, and their pack had been more than equal to that. And I think I was quite worried when they got near our line and they had line now, because I thought, well, they're obviously holding up our driving mall. They're going to, you know, just, are they just going to decimate ours and just push us over and credit to us? Well, we, you know, that didn't happen. But yeah, I thought once Ferns and RU came on, it just. It was almost like having pack of 16 in there, wasn't it, really? And they just dominated the scrums after that point. And yeah, I mean, as I say, it's probably the best try I've ever seen in my life. Um, everything you could want in a try was, was there. Um, and yeah, it's a nice touch at the end, of course, of Bonner and his premiership home debut, getting, getting a try. There you go. And again, that was another substitution which didn't look out of place because um, you know, I think, again, you talk about the team sheet, you know, there's no Stevenson, you thought, oh, you know, maybe a little sort of light in the wings because we talked about how effective having both Stevenson and Radwan was and, and the difference it made. And then once Wakoke Koke went off, who personally I thought was probably our best player at that point, you have, you know, young lad coming in in not easy circumstances. You know, we sometimes are weak out wide. How's this going to work? But credit, he took his try really, really well. I thought it was really good ball in hand anyway. But yeah, I mean, Van der Vaal, Blamire as well. Stewart looked good when he came on. Hodgson didn't look out of place when Penny went off of his head injury. So all the substitutions sort of worked really, you know, worked really well in many ways, kind of changed the game. Yeah, we'd seen a Bonner earlier in the year. He played over in uh, France in the European competition and he played a couple of weeks ago. And when he was in France, he looked head and shoulders literally above 
a lot of the French players he's playing against. But then when you when you actually think about it, he was playing against a lot of French teenagers. And then I feel that when he played a couple of weeks ago in the Premiership, he didn't necessarily stand out that much. But then tonight he took his chance when it came extremely well. And then after that, I just felt he grew in confidence. And um, he had a couple of half breaks following that. Um, I just feel that that try settled him down and made him go forward, look for it, and be a bit more confident in what he was doing. Um, and as he said, um, I don't think any of the substitutions were a fault. I think it shows that quite how, how good we are around the park where we can have kind of Hodgson coming on in the back three or Van der Velt in the second row. And we, we're not playing... Or our, our substitutions we've got, they are utility subs. And it's incredibly useful to have that um, flexibility within the squad. I think one other thing that has to be mentioned is when Hodgson came on, he went on at fullback. And I think his kicking game was actually incredibly good from fullback. I feel that sometimes this season when he's been playing fly half or just in general Falcons players, not necessarily just him at fly half or wherever, we've done a lot of very aimless kicks. And I, I think that one of the main differences in the last two games is we've not done them. There wasn't the repeated box kicking this evening. There was sensible kicks into space when there was space to kick into. We found touch on numerous occasions, a few very good long touch finders. And then um, right at the very end, Hodgson's kick right down the middle where there's a big gap. We actually had a good chase on that, turned it over, got the penalty, and then we were eight points clear. Happy days. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say 90 to 95% of the kicks, both box kicks and place kicking, was was really, really good. And if you're going to kind of have those ratios of successful kicking, um, then you know you're obviously going to put yourself in a good place but you're right there was less much less of the aimless kicking and I mean maybe they had tried to do that earlier on in the season but they just hadn't managed to pull it off when but when when they do pull it off you know, obviously you don't think it's aimless and you look at the kicking in much more positive light but yeah I mean the place kicking was really good and I thought it was really good game management as well generally um once they, they got ahead um I mean I know Northampton had that penalty which was very kickable which Grayson pull wide which is a real let off but um generally apart from that i thought once we did get the lead we managed it pretty well and uh, maybe we could have got another try at the very end um but you know I, the game was already won by that point and uh, again that's a credit to the substitution so we've come on in not an easy situation and have, have seen it out and have won the game for us yeah um i think that the one area this evening that um apart from the finishing or lack of incision in the 22 that w- was a bit worrying was our lineouts looking like they're starting to waver again there's a few of them where we overthrew it or knocked it on or missed our man and it just um fortunately we got away with it there weren't that many where we led to anything too problematic we well, there's a couple where we missed our man and then they knocked it on so we got the ball back at a scrum or whatever and um i don't know what's quite going on there it was a bit of a, a change from the recent weeks where they've been very good once again yeah, lineouts actually. Yeah, I, I did think that before. Lineouts were actually a bit iffy, even once they did get a lot of the time, didn't look particularly clean. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe because Fuza makes a difference, and obviously he's still out injured. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they they definitely got away with it a couple of times. I think there was one or two where we completely sort of balls up the line out, but they sort of knocked it on, so we were still kind of in a good position or or whatever. But yeah, I mean that 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 did fault a little bit. I mean, I guess maybe when Fuza comes back or they can just work on it at the training ground a bit and just kind of rectify that. But you're right, um, be nice to kind of get our line outs to their impervious best as they have been for most of the season. Yeah, I think um, just. My summary of this evening would be that we, we played very, very well. We won the game because we did fewer unforced errors than Northampton Saints did. Three or four weeks ago, I remember we were tearing our hair out 
or what we've got left of it, um, because it seemed that every single time we went into contract, we threw the ball as hard as we could at a teammate and knocked it on, or we were doing aimless kicks, or we are just passing it past people or missing missing tackles and various things. But I just feel that today, um, for all we didn't convert our possession into points in the first half, we didn't make a huge number of unforced errors, either in attack or defence. I think that's ultimately what proved crucial. Um, potentially, I mean, that's certainly a fact. Perhaps a little harsh. I think it was maybe more than the balance run force errors. I thought generally we sort of dominated the game, um, and that's not necessarily just all down on force errors. But um, yeah, well, we, they were definitely minimised. I mean, you had a couple of silly ones. Uh, there was a couple of crossings, and there was a, a, a daft knock on at some point when we were in a good position. But well, the unforced errors, I suppose, generally were well when we were in the twenty two in the first half, weren't they? That if you take that out, then it was almost sort of faultless, I mean, really. But I mean look, I mean that's where we are that that's why we're tenth and that's you know, and we're not in the top four. It's because, you know, we we don't take those chances, isn't it? I mean, if we took half those chances, generally, you know, we'll be way up the league, obviously. So I don't think, you know, we can sort of complain too much and if we look at it in sort of bit of perspective and that yes, um yeah. Unforced errors were better on our side, but I think generally I thought, and maybe it's kind of built on defence as well. We kind of didn't let Northampton really get out anywhere, and that sort of was really the, the basis on what sort of brought a sort of really really good ground out win at the end. Yeah, and um, aside from the fantastic try and the good victory tonight, there's one other major change, which was the fans in the stadium. Um, from your setting foot out your front door, the buzzing excitement on the way in. How did it all go? Was it seamless or were there any funny bits where you thought, oh, what's going on here? Or was it all quite slick? Um, yeah, no, I, I had no complaints. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's probably due to the fact that relatively low numbers as well. But, but you know, you, they still had to kind of deal with it in, in the correct manner. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, you know, we got to the ground. We, we queued up. For, we were in the, the West Stand, so we queued up in the the, the turnstile for that. So quite a big, big queue, actually. But they uh, they sort of put you all through the turnstile pretty quickly. Concourse was closed, so then you got sort of ferried through in, into just the, into into your seats, really. Um, yeah, you just sort of kind of sat or stood in your seats. Um, uh, for us, we got in, our time slot is about 20 to 7, something like that. So we had a quite a long wait sitting in the stand. But, I mean, uh, I guess a lot of times, obviously, they have to follow the rules um, that the government kind of set out in terms of allowing the, the, them to have fans in the first place. And I think everyone was kind of really well behaved and stuff. You know, I suppose everyone wore their masks. You know, I think people were scanning the track and trace apps and things which they were encouraging everyone to do all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, far as I could tell there are no problems um what's going to happen in terms of Worcester game I don't know if it'll, the numbers will be the same probably but um I think they announced on the tannoy as well saying you know this is our first go so be patient with us or whatever I think we were fortunate as well at the end where you had to kind of go home or leave the start leave the stadium in segments and fortunately I think our segment was on the first one so we managed to get away pretty quickly but <clears throat> generally it was pretty faultless and I guess you know credit to the club for kind of doing that so well really. Do you just see that people were smiling on their faces on the way in after what is it best part of 14 months without any sport of any kind let alone Falcons? Yeah I mean I think people were kind of obviously say very happy to be there and I think you could tell when um, they were warming up you know they got a huge round of standing applause when they're warming up. There's people who were pretty excited, obviously, when we kicked off. Um, not quite so at half time, as I said before, but by the end, you know, everyone was jumping at KP. Um, I mean, you know, roof of, well, what roof there is would have been almost off if they did have a proper crowd. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think the result helped as well. I think if, if they'd lost, it would have been 
a bit of a disappointment, um, despite obviously the, the victory in itself of having fans back. But yeah, I mean, everyone, well, the important thing is everyone came with smiling faces, everyone left with even more smiley faces. So, you know, I think we, we can't really ask for much more than that. Exactly, exactly. Um, unfortunately, this weekend, we're not going to be able to have smiley faces once again, because unfortunately, no no Falcons match. Um, after getting knocked out of Europe, we've got to have a week off. But um I guess having a, a Monday match um, it gives us a bit more time to recover anyway that we would have otherwise not had because um, midweek matches are a bit of a rarity, especially Mondays. And um, next up, we've got the, the nice easy task of Exeter away. Um, so that should be good fun. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose you know we can take a bit of heart from the home performance where we ran them pretty close. Um, Exeter seemed to be a bit better now because that was, I think, during their well, relatively poor patch. You know, it's like, like we say for all these games, you, you just go out and have a go, don't you, and sort of see what happens. Um, if you pick up any points whatsoever from that, then, then obviously fantastic. If we don't, then, you know, just kind of nurse the wounds and look toward perhaps more winnable games. But, you know, our confidence is high. Let's just kind of look forward to watching the Falcons and watching some, some rugby. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting which extra team turns up because right now they're third in the table, which is the lowest they've been for a very long time. I can remember. Um, they're obviously playing tomorrow night against London Irish. If they win that, they'll go straight back to second. But um, it'll be interesting if they have a tough run out, um, what they do, whether they're going to end up focusing on um, finishing as high as they can in the league or just settling for second as opposed to third or third as opposed to second and um, just hoping that they're going to win the, the playoffs. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess their game against Gloucester comes to mind, doesn't it, when they played the very much played the second string team and then they got punished for it. Maybe because maybe because it's so tight in the top two, three positions, they they may think that it's just not worth it's not worth running the risk of playing a second string and they just want to make sure they do secure second place. Um I don't know, I, I don't I think maybe the time for playing second strings is probably up and I think they will play a pretty damn strong team. Um but yeah, as we're saying, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. I mean they played a strong team against us in the home game and we ran them close. So let's just kind of go about fear and sort of see what happens, I guess. Yeah, and then um, following that we've got Worcester. Um so that one we I, I guess we should be targeting five points. So I, th- I certainly think the top eight isn't away from us. And I think one crucial thing about this evening is that um, the table now there is 11 points between Northampton and Harlequins. There's only three games remaining. So if Quinns win one of the last three, they've effectively got the top four. Therefore, hopefully they win one of the next two. And with their last game of the season, there'll be nothing to play for for them. So they might play a second string team or try some of the young lads from the academy out. But they might just not want injuries for the playoffs. So I'm really hoping that that result tonight meant not only do we obviously get a very good victory against Northampton, but we've made our run-in significantly easier in the last game of the season. Well, I mean, yeah, you mentioned, obviously we talked about Exeter might struggle any points from there, but you're right with Worcester. I think it's fair enough we should be looking to target five. And I think if we do want to try and sort of sneak in the top eight, then I think we, we really have to try and get five points against Worcester, considering obviously... We've got Exeter, and you know, we don't, as you say, we don't know what team Harlequins are going to play, but um, you know, we can't take Harlequins away lightly at all, obviously. So um, I think if we're going to try and see in the top eight, we do really, really need to target that five-pointer against Worcester. And another point is they announced uh, tonight is that they're looking to put tickets on general sale again for Worcester. So uh, keep uh, BDI out on the website over the coming weeks, I suppose, for, for that one. Yeah, um, I think that... Realistic target for the last three games, I'd say, would be 10 points. I'm not sure we'll win all three of them, but I'd like to think we'd win against Worcester, 
hopefully against Harlequins as well. You never know against Exeter. We've done it in the past um, against the odds. And then maybe a couple of bonus points thrown in there. I'd like to think if we lose, we'd get a losing bonus point. And then we'd score five tries in either the last game of the season or hopefully against Worcester. So if we end up with 10 points, then that puts us on 49. And I think that there are enough teams with less than 49 that aren't going to win two or three of the remaining games. Potentially, I mean, I think we're still probably going to be up against it, but it's not entirely out of our hands by any means. Um, we just kind of just have to, you know, it's an obvious thing to say, but just kind of pick up points, and I, you know, particularly against Exeter and Harlequins. And as I say, we have to really target five points. Um, and no reason why, why we can't, uh, the way we're playing. I think even if we lose to Exeter, I don't think that's just kind of knock our confidence or momentum, really. I think it'll be a really nice way to kind of sign off the season in front of fans as well, um, to kind of have a really good win at home against Worcester. And I, I think actually sitting there, kind of put into perspective, actually, because of the last time I went to King's Park was the Ampfell home game, obviously the championship last season. And I'm sure a lot, a lot of our listeners will remember we were pretty poor. We, we kind of scraped home and struggled to get a result in the end there. And if you kind of look at the development between where we were last season, uh, specifically, I suppose you could say in January last season, to, to where we are now, you know, dominating and beating a, a team which is challenging for the top four in the Premiership, it just kind of shows and puts in perspective, actually, despite some of the, you know, some of the negative aspects of this season, some of the disappointments, really, just, just how far we've come. And, uh, and that kind of really hit home to with me sitting there actually finding Kingston Park tonight. Yeah, I just think it's incredibly frustrating when we had that spell in um, February, March, early April, where we barely got a point on the board in a few games, that that really did kind of put a spanner in the season, didn't it? Because up till that point, we were top four contenders for a reasonably long time until around the Christmas New Year period. And then we just kept slipping and slipping and slipping. Before we knew it, we, were, we barely had anyone to look over our shoulder behind. Um, everyone was in front of us. Yeah, well, it's been a sort of odd tasting sandwich I guess if on this season um, yeah I mean we'll just I guess continue to look to finish strongly and I think well I think a defeat to Worcester would be pretty disappointing all things considered but let's say we beat Worcester but we do lose against Harlequins and Exeter I think if we take a step back I think we there's a, there was a lot pleased with it and proud of this season um, you know the objective was not to finish bottom relegation side or, or whatever that's quite clearly not going to happen we're going to be way ahead of that so even that is in that sort of game is a great achievement but we could quite conceivably finish up to eighth, ninth, even ninth is so terrible, all things considered. So um, I think that's the other sort of really pleasing thing. Not only is the win tonight, but the, the fact that this season seems to be sort of ending on quite a positive note, which is obviously really nice. Yeah, so if we um, just round up the other rugby action, Bath lost 20 points to 24 against Sale on Friday night. Once again, Sale only just scraping a victory, but they seem to be very good at giving bonus points to other teams, which is a bit frustrating, but we can't really do much about that. Um, then on Saturday, Wasps 23, Worcester 19. Once again, bonus points given away. And then Leicester turned over Harlequins 35 points to 29, which if Harlequins had managed to get a win out of that, then they would have guaranteed top four this weekend, but, but they didn't. Sunday was an odd one. There wasn't a single Premiership rugby game. That is because this evening, not only did we beat Northampton 18 points to 10, but Bristol put away Gloucester 39 points to 7. So I guess that was a good one for, for the Bristol fans to get back to see. Um, putting a 32-point difference over their West Country rivals. Um, and then the, the last match of the the round is London Irish v Exeter tomorrow. That's a quarter to eight kickoff. Another one just to mention tonight, you mentioned Amtel earlier. Saracens thrashed them 69-12. So basically that means that Saracens have pretty much um, guaranteed themselves a top 
two in the championship now. So they'll end up in their, whatever you want to call it, playoffs. I don't really know what the, the correct name for it is. Two-legged final or whatever. Looking at league tables, we just run down from the top as, as always. Um, Bristol have 76, 12 points clear of sale on 64. Extra at the minute have 63, but a game in hand. Then come Harlequins with 61. That's kind of the top four. I think we can safely put a mortgage on that now. Northampton have 50, which is 11 points down. And there's another gap to Leicester on 44, and it gets very close here because uh, London Irish have 43, Wasps have 42, as do Bath. We've got 39, Gloucester have 36, and Worcester have 22. So um, Worcester are now, mathematically, we can't finish bottom anymore. Worcester need to win all of their remaining games with bonus points to not finish bottom, but it's kind of relevant anyway because no relegation. So here we draw to the close of one of the best Monday nights of the last 12 months, certainly. Don't know about you, but put a smile to my face seeing people singing the Blade and Racers at Kingston Park with the Falcons' victory. So that's all from us tonight. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone.